Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Coruscant Radio Underground, a weekly podcast from thesciencefictionary.com. I'm your host, Andrew Gore, and today with me are Marisha Gore and Daniel Peoples. What's going on with everybody this week? I am sewing on the set of a movie that they're filming in town, so that's fun and different. I was going to ask you about that. Yes, it went well. It was fun, and now I'm tired. Are we allowed to talk about what movie? Um, yeah, it's a movie that, um, oh, Andrew, tell me who the director is. It's Tate Taylor who directed The Help. Okay. Yeah. So they're filming another movie locally and they had reshoots. So. Well, I, I have uh, nothing very interesting going on this week. I am kind of excited about some of the Star Wars stuff we got to talk about tonight. Yeah. Though, so. Yes. Yeah. We've got some good Star Wars stuff to talk about this week. A little more news than we've had lately. We've actually got plenty of casting news this week. We actually got some new news on The Mandalorian. We'll go with that first because we've discussed The Mandalorian at length. The first note here on The Mandalorian, as always, we're discussing things that, that may you may consider spoilers. So uh, just be aware uh, before we go ahead that we're going to be talking about things like set photos from the set of The Mandalorian. Set photos this week, I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but there have been sightings of Death Troopers on the set of The Mandalorian. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some people who are going to find problems with that where we never saw Death Troopers in the original trilogy. The only place we've seen them is immediately prior to. Right. Now, they seem to be garrison guards or guards personal guards for high-ranking okay. officials uh, at least that's the capacity that we've seen them in to this point we already knew there were stormtroopers so we already knew there's either some sort of mercenary group that's wearing imperial armor or there's remnants you know a warlord a general an admiral somebody that's still out there well we know we're on the outer fringes of space so it's quite possible that it's a an imperial legion that hasn't surrendered yet something right. like that yeah but i'm all about death troopers they were uh... i mean they're so badass <laughs> like adeline is she wants death trooper armor she's like all right i enjoyed the she enjoyed the mandalorian armor now she wants death trooper armor mm -hmm. i'll hook her up <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I'm quite ready for that build. But no, I mean, the Death Troopers were a great addition in Rogue One. I'm excited to see where they go with it. it it's always cool to see things that tie the universe together. It, it's it's one of those things where we do want new things. We want new people and new planets and new ships and all these things. We want to grow the galaxy, but it's always nice to have these little things that, that pull you back and connect you. To the things that have already come. Well, because you want to feel like it's actually, they're just showing you a different part of the universe as opposed to like, we made this up this week and this is our new thing. You know, like when you're watching a sitcom and you're like, oh, and we made up this new thing to explain that thing. You know, that's not the feel you want when you're watching Star Wars. You want enough continuity that it feels real. Yeah, it's, just, it's hard to maintain this many years of continuity whenever you jump around the timeline as much as you do. Right. And, you know, maybe something was introduced that's set in a different period than the one you're going to, but it was really cool. So can we work it into this time period a little bit? You know, there's a balance there that you got to try to strike. Of anyone involved in Star Wars, the people involved in this show, 
I think I probably trust more than most of them. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see how they work it in. And I'm not sure how many people who aren't as hardcore as we are even going to notice that, well, death troopers weren't around in this period before. Well, to, to, to most people, stormtrooper armor, stormtrooper armor, some of us to schooler than others. That's you probably I mean? true. Oh, yeah. For most people, it's going to be exciting, even if it's something they're unfamiliar with. You, you've got a loud minority on both sides that just like to scream about everything. And <laughs> I'm sure they're out there screaming about it already, and I just don't care. <laughs> you haven't cared enough to find Because <laughs> I'm excited about Death Troopers. Next week. There will be a petition next week. No Death Troopers after <laughs> episode four. Done. Like I said, the context that we've seen Death Troopers in before was that they were personal guards. Uh, the the ones we saw before, the ones we saw in Rogue One, were Krennic's personal guard. Uh, because he actually makes comment of sending his personal detachment into battle. Right. Uh, so I'm curious to see if maybe someone that we already know from the Empire has survived and is still out there. And I've always maintained that it would be interesting if you had someone who tried to create a resurgence of the Empire in addition to and in spite of the First Order. Order. I mean, like whenever, like, okay, so Alexander the Great dies. He's, he's dead. His heir is an infant. So what happens His generals are each like, we're taking a piece of the pie. And so they rose up. And so eventually, you know, Rome supplanted the power that Alexander had had. But in the interim, there's different factions kind of vying for that, you know, to fill that power vacuum. And I think that that's a very viable sort of scenario. You know, I don't think everybody just rolls over and it's just like, oh, well, you know, we're done. The empire was our thing. And now we don't care that it's gone. You know, there's there's going to be factions. It makes sense, but wasn't the first order sort of Emperor Palpatine's backup plan for the Empire's, for the Empire's fall? It was. If you follow through that story of aftermath, basically aftermath and the um, Battlefront Two video game follow this story mm-hmm. as well. Operation Cinder was yes. Palpatine's plan to, in absence of of basically comparing it to a chess game is the way they did it in the, uh, in the books was the King has been removed from the board. Mm-hmm. You wipe the board clean and you start over. And so Palpatine's plan basically is for certain people to be a part of this. And they're going to the, the unknown regions to regroup and create something new. The problem is that was meant to be at the sacrifice of the large portion of the remnant of the Imperial fleet. They were basically sacrificing the bulk of the Imperial fleet to cover their leaving for the unknown regions. So it's possible, you know, if I were writing that, what would be interesting to me is someone who kind of, you know, a high ranking officer who kind of caught on to what was Says no. going on. And, I'm not going to be the sacrifice. Right. So I'm curious to see where they go with that. But of course, the big news this week was we we finally got a concrete name on our lead character for The Mandalorian in Pedro Pascal. 
Now y'all are going to have to help me out with that one. I've looked at, you know, looked at some of his stuff, looked at him a little bit, but I haven't watched Game of Thrones or Narcos, which are the two shows he's really known for. He is absolutely freaking awesome. This was the best news other than the, uh, the other prequel series that we're going to talk about in a minute. Yep. My best news all week was the fact that Pedro Pascal was going to be in the series as the lead character was was the report. Um, Pedro Pascal, I'm telling you, he's flipping awesome. If you watch him, he was in one season in Game of Thrones, killed off. Okay. Of course, There's a shock. <laughs> the way he dies is brutal and beautiful and magnificent, and it's freaking awesome. And the buildup to it is freaking awesome. And and it's all him. It's his performance. Completely sells that scene. He was magnificent the whole season. I'm sounding like a fangirl right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really do absolutely love this guy as an actor. I, I like what he's capable of. If he brings that same kind of charisma he brought to Oprah and Martell in Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. have a really cool lead character in this series. Right. And he can be he can be very roguish which is kind of the idea i think that we're trying to get with this yeah he can do the charm and he can do the kind of scary i have seen something with him in it it's been a while back but he was in nikita there's only Mm -hmm. one episode but i do remember that character he's he's also there's a really terrible matt damon movie called the gray wall (laughs) (laughs) i didn't see that he's in it with matt damon he's the best part of that movie too which there's some really great actors in that movie that, that movie's got Matt Damon and obviously William Defoe, and he's he's the only really good thing in that movie. So this is a good casting. Yeah, I noticed he's also in uh, the new Wonder Woman movie. Whenever they get around to putting that out, I don't know what's going on with that. That's a topic for another time. But they keep pushing the the release date back. Yeah, I don't know why it got delayed. That's 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 starting to scare me well it's, it's one thing it's like come on dc like this is the best thing you got going for you right now and what are you what are yeah, you doing right Dra- let's jog our feet on it well i just i, I think I... it worries a lot of people when you take the movie that's everybody's anticipating and push it six months when it was still a year out the only really good movie you've put out as an expanded universe so far is that one even movie and of course everybody forgets about man of steel and i like man i like steel. man of steel that's okay that I like a lot. I don't like it as much as I like my Christopher Reeve Superman movies. But whenever I say the only good thing he's put out in the expanded universe is the Wonder Woman, it's because everybody forgets about Man of Steel, and that was the first one. And then there was a little bit of a gap, and you got BVS, Suicide Squad, and Wonder Woman after the other. So I don't know why they're laying that either. Well, in addition to uh, Pascal, we also got an announcement of Gina Carano. And I may, yeah. may or may not be saying her name correctly. MMA fighter, a former American gladiator. <laughs> Uh, she was in the first Deadpool movie. I'm not going to gush about her as much. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about her. Um, it, it's, I bet she does her own stunts. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Anytime you bring somebody like her in, you know, they might be doing something totally different. But I look at it and go, okay, in this setting, they're bringing in someone who can do legit physical well, it's I like bringing in Ray Park to do Darth Maul. It's like, yeah, they're not just stand, bringing him in to stand there, you know, and, and glower. You know, they're bringing him in to do something cool. So hopefully they're bringing her in to do something cool. And we hope that's all they're bringing her in to do. Like, it does sound like she's going to be a main cast member. If we've got her name but, already, she's going to be a main cast member. 
Right. So just have her look badass and do some cool physical choreographed fight scenes. Right. I don't I don't need her to try to pull off, you know, Lady Macbeth. And, you know, but the thing is with with Star Wars characters, I mean, she could be in every episode and say five lines. Right. You know, we don't know what her character is yet. She was good in Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, that character didn't have many lines. And her and Colossus' fight scene was pretty good. And, you know, she was fine in that. So, it, it, you know, if we, don't, if we get that same type of character, that same type of performance, then I'm on board. But, you know, play to these people's skill sets. And John Favreau is pretty good about that, I think. I think so, too. It's good we're finally getting a little bit of... Uh little bit of information here on the Mandalorian. That's still literally all we have, but it's good to be getting something. Um, so I, I, have another, I have another question. Mm-hmm. If they've been filming for however many weeks now, and we just got our lead actor, what have they been filming? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, either they've been filming like B-real stuff. Or they're just being really, really Or spooky. they've been filming. Well, there was a rumor that Pedro Pascal was the Mandalorian like a month ago. Okay. It just, we just got confirmation from the source, Ooh. you know, from Lucasfilm this week that Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian. So it's, it's very possible that he's been there happened. shooting this whole time. What I saw made it sound like the deal just happened. It, I mean, it could have, but there were rumors from like a week after the announcement. Like after, not the announcement, but a week after Favreau dropped that first little tease. Mm-hmm. That first look photo. Yeah, there was a there was a rumor that it was Pedro Pascal, and then okay, and then of course ended up being true. So the fact that we don't have names yet to me says they just kept it really under wraps, and I expect now to probably start finding out bit by bit who else is in this. Okay, you might be on to something. I'm ready to know more, but again, it's we're so far away from an actual release. I don't think we're going to get much more in the way of plot points for a while, but I, I suspect they're going to have to start dropping some more names. You can only keep those kinds of things a secret for so long. Yeah, no, eventually the names will get out. I think they're doing it in a controlled way. I think they're letting names out now mm-hmm. and that they're just keeping control over it and it'll let... In order to have, because we've got this huge gap where you don't want any real news getting out this right. far ahead of release. Because we're probably looking at next September mm-hmm. or so before this releases. So you don't want a lot getting out. But if you can hold your actors back of who's in it and then leak those names out a couple of months. Right. And give people a little something to, to buzz Talk about. about. And yep. Then you keep the buzz up, but you don't let people get bored. You don't just kind of sat, you know, saturate the right. You're not letting anything real once. out, but you're still giving news. So I don't know. So, okay. So here's a question at Star Wars Celebration in April. Supposing that we do find out that the streaming service isn't coming out till next September. Let's just say September for now. Mm-hmm. Do they show an episode of this at Star Wars Celebration? Yep, I bet you oh, anything they do. We got the two episodes. Three episodes, right? No, two. Two. Okay. They were and they were unfinished. Like they didn't have all the digital work done. But at the last cel- at celebration last year, we watched the first two episodes of the final season of Star Wars Rebels. And it was a long way out from release. Maybe so, man. It would make sense. But you're talking about something with a full length season 
versus something with only eight episodes. Right. I mean, so maybe maybe they show the first half hour of it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is just kind of throwing something out there. I I personally think that we probably get something akin to mm-hmm. what they've done with the movies and we get some sort of behind the scenes reel. Yeah. You know, I, I'm doubtful that they will show a whole episode of an eight episode series, but who knows? They may do it, but it's going to be a matter. It's like when you do that, spoilers get out. Like right. there's, there's no way to stop it. And with Rebels, you had the final season of something, not something brand new that That's you're trying true. to kind of, they're going to do something. I mean, they're going to do something big with the Mandalorian, but I, I just... You know, I don't know what. All right. So the other news this week, and I was really excited about this, was that we got an announcement of a Cassian Andor live action series. Yes. I am so excited about this. I'm more excited for it now, Mandalorian. I'm excited about it more in some ways. I'm more excited, I think, right now for the Mandalorian, just knowing who's working on it. There's a lot of things I'm really excited about that are going on there. But I'm really excited about this because I really like this character. Yes. Yes. I really like Diego Luna. And I'm I'm super excited to see this character come back. We were back. so sad to see him die. We want to see him do other things. Well, we want to see, like, we want to see this character when he's, you know, he's not exactly... When he's playing loose and fast with the rules. Yeah. I mean, you know, or see how he got that way. I mean, he's not, as we saw, he's not above shooting someone on his side in the back to save his skin when we first meet him. Well, now, wait a minute. He could have jumped that fence and left that guy standing there and fine. It wasn't saving his skin. It's saving the rebellion. It's saving well, the information that got bad. That, that that's was true. The, he wasn't exactly on his side, was he? He was an informant. Informants are notoriously untrustworthy. Point being, though, he is willing to do whatever it takes for his cause. Right, Exactly. And um, the thing about this series is as soon as they say Cassian indoor spy thriller, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we all have an image. We're like, okay, this is what it's going to be. I mean, more or less, we have like a clear idea of what we're looking for. And I think mm-hmm. in some ways that's a lot easier to get amped up about than like the Mandalorian. And it's going to be about a Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really all that we know. Right. <laughs> And so then there's all these questions of, is he a real Mandalorian or not a real Mandalorian? Right. Does he just look like a Mandalorian? <laughs> but, you know, with this, we can ask real questions about, because we already know the character, at least to an extent. But the, mm-hmm. the other side of that, there's going to be expectations. Oh, yes. Many expectations. There's not been anything announced, no director or anything, right? Nothing. Uh, presumably, they won't start really going into deep development with this until they wrap shooting on the Mandalorian on the Mandalorian. And that's something we had kind of talked about a little bit briefly a few weeks ago was, do we think that they might actually try to have more than one show shot producing at the same time? Well, no more than one show shot and completed before the streaming service drops. Looks like Not it. that they would drop necessarily drop them at the same time, but if they're already announcing this, it doesn't look like they're planning to wait till like next fall to start, right. sh- you know, yeah. putting it together. 
Mm-hmm. I would think that they would be ready to start developing this in the spring. Yeah. Sounds about right. But yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I think. Well, like you said, I mean, we've we've got expectations, but right. you know, I mean, this is his character. You know, I I think that I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, you know, he's excited to come back, and I'll be curious to see who else comes back. I need to check out the uh, Cassian the Cassian Andor comic book. I don't know yeah. if it was a one off. Or a mm-hmm. short series, or what would you know, Daniel? I don't. It's um, I do know that the incident uh, where he and K2S, he and K2SO meet, and how they end up in you know their partnership, whatever you want to call it, right, is uh, as part of that series also. But I have not read that right. either. Yeah, so I'm I don't know where that falls in the timeline, and of course, you know, wondering how that will play into this. Like, will we see that? Or is this series going to be before or after? Listening to Diego Luna talk a little bit, it sounds like they were planning on going back like four to five years mm-hmm. prior to one season of this show. It would make sense, and then that'll give them a couple of a couple of years to work with, because it's not like they can stretch it past Rogue One even if they want to. I mean, right? <laughs> you know, once once he's gone, that's it. That is the end of the Cassian Andor show. Well, in his his interview, he was mostly just excited that they were going to be making him younger. <laughs> we can play with the timeline in this a little bit, too, to be honest with you. I mean, some of these Netflix shows have issue of doing that. You'll have a series that's set, and it's actually pretty linear. You know, you can have a pretty linear series set in one time and have an episode that'll jump you back to show you what happened a year or two ago in this person's life. So that's you got a feeling... You know, we can do stuff like that. Well, they they we can, can do all kinds of it. interesting stuff. You know, he may, and they, it, I won't be surprised at all if we find out that they're casting a a young Cassian Andor as mm-hmm. well, yeah. because he makes the comment in Rogue One. I don't remember what age he says, but where he's, you know, saying, "Look, you're new here. I've been in this fight since I was." You know, he, he names a really young age, like eight. Right, which always kind of threw me off. Some are going, well, wait a minute. The Empire didn't show up until 17 years before Luke, when Luke was before the New Hope. And that only makes him like 21, and you're going. Well, but he could have been, a, you know, his. I, I, I think there was some illusion that his family were separatists. Okay. It seems like I remember um, seeing that, although I could be confusing him with. No, I'm pretty sure that his. I'm pretty sure that's the story. I don't remember why I think that though. Makes sense though, because in his mind, he's been fighting against the person who became the emperor. Exactly. For, oh, was it the Clone Wars? All right. Well, anybody got anything else on? Uh... Now, now that I just made that connection in my head, I like it better. <laughs> you like it better. Yeah. Anybody got any other thoughts on the Cassian and Andor series? Just the he's fact really that I want to back so bad. <laughs> yeah i'd really i really hope that k2 is in this at least some yes we all want to see have, alan tuddick i don't have any hope for the other rogue one characters showing up because i mean we saw how right most of them it just doesn't make sense because they were we could see some of the other spies mm-hmm. um but you know we're not going to see any of the other members of Rogue of Rogue One, the the group that got on the ship went to fight because they all kind of gathered together as the show went. You had right. an Imperial pilot and uh, mm-hmm. people from Jeddah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there's very little reason to see any of those others, although we could see Saw Gerrera. That's true. Yes. Uh, and I'd be all for that. Um, and I think I he would, I think he would come do it. Um, he's had no qualms with doing one. Right. I think this is going to have a massive budget, just like, 
the Mandalorian, but he's also shown up and voiced his character repeatedly in, in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Several episodes of Rebels. Yeah. And I have to tell you something, too. I, I just I just remembered something I should have already remembered. The Rogue One novel, when you find out more about Cassian's mindset, you said it was alluded to his parents were separatists. I heard another commentator who does what we do the other day talking about how Cassian didn't like Baze and Emway because the enemies he began fighting were force users. They were Jedi. So yeah, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Okay. So I'd forgotten about that completely. It slipped my mind so I'm just sitting here thinking about the other characters in Rogue One and I'm, my mind made that weird connection. Well, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be really great. And I, you know, like I said, or somebody said it, maybe Andrew, it's, it'll be really interesting to see you know, because nobody starts out being a cold-blooded killer, even if they think they're doing it for the right reasons. You know, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what goes on in his life that turns him into the person who's willing to make the hard decisions for what yeah. he thinks is the greater good. He was probably my favorite character in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he was pretty yes. great. So I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm more excited about that than I am the Mandalorians as a character that I was when, when Rogue One was over. Very disappointed that not just him, but the other characters too, but especially him, we would get to see him more of. And, you know, Borglet could show up. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that thing's unsettling. But anyway, uh, we're a few episodes behind on talking uh, Star Wars Resistance. Uh, we're going to sit down hopefully sometime in the next few days and record with the kids again. We got behind on that. They were out of town. You know, Selena was out of town and then Iana was out of town and it's just kind of been back and forth. So we've got, we'll probably do one episode and discuss the last few episodes with them, but we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight. Daniel, have you gotten a chance to watch any more? I know you caught one episode. Have you seen any more? No, that's still the only episode I call. I'm terrible. Well, last time we talked about it, you had a question of why is... The Colossus important. Right. Like, why does the First Order want the Colossus? Well, in the last episode, Kaz has finally gotten enough, pieced enough information together to discover that the First Order is, in fact, after the Colossus. He's gone back, reported to Poe. Poe shows up in the last episode that, that's out. So he's reported back, and they've determined that for some reason, the First Order really wants the Colossus. And so basically, Kaz's mission has been redirected to finding out why it's important. Why it's important. Okay, so they got the same questions I got. It's not just me. The right. So, so, I mean, they're kind of going the route of a spy movie. And they're, they're piecing things. The character's piecing things together in a different order than we are. Because we, we, we're seeing multiple sides of what's going on. He's not. So we were asking the question about two episodes ahead of him right. asking the question. So we had an episode where comes across the hollow feed on the Colossus that there's these two missing children and a 20,000 credit reward for whoever finds them. So Kaz is all excited because Kaz has no money. Kaz Never. is scraping by on the Colossus trying he, to be a mechanic and he has no idea what he's doing. He keeps breaking expensive equipment and so he decides he's going to find these kids and of and of course stumbles into them well he gets questioned at some point because his he thinks that he's going to find these kids that the reward is because these kids are missing and that he's going their families to want them back. right and their family wants them back so he's going to find them and get them safely home 
Well, the commander on the station poses the question to him, did you ever stop to think who would offer such an outrageous reward for two children? And so it comes about that that it is the First Order is tracking them. The commander on the station, who he already knew was kind of working with the First Order, or at least has a business relationship with the First Order, notifies Phasma. Phasma says, we finally see Commander Pyre, uh, the gold-armored stormtrooper, Mm -hmm. comes to the base to find the kids. So basically what we learned, the interesting thing, the big tie-in for uh, the larger story there is that we find out that these are the last two survivors of a wild space world. A First Order army led by Kylo Ren has annihilated all inhabitants of this planet. So we have Kylo committing you know, genocide. genocide on this planet, and they're trying to they're trying to track down these last two kids that got away because they allude witnesses. Right. Well, and because they allude to, they were the last two that knew what our plans for Tehran were. So I don't know. We don't know exactly what was going on there, but you know, basically there it's another place where they've, you know, the first order came in, wiped out the local inhabitants and is now occupying this world. I don't know if we ever knew, did we ever know the name of the planet Tarkiller base was built on? It just read my mind. I don't think so. That would be interesting. Right. So that's kind of my suspicion at this point, without digging further to see if that planet's already named somewhere else. What, Daniel? I said, you read my mind. That's probably, that probably is the big reveal right there. That's the, that's the, the crux of the whole series. That was the big episode. The, the last episode that's out was a little bit more of a filler episode. Uh, we did get Poe comes back for the episode, which was nice. We get some some X-Wing action, uh, which is always fun. I think the best looking thing they do in that show is the Starfighters look fantastic. They really do. And we keep wondering what Poe does to this X-Wing. Right. <laughs> but this was one of those episodes that was a little more silly. Do you remember what Kowaki and Monkey Lizards are, Daniel? Yes. Salacious Crumb? Yeah, so basically Poe and Kaz pick up a distress signal from a ship out in an asteroid field, fly out to it. They board it and find all these cages broken open. And the ship is overrun by Kowakian monkey lizards. Including the King Kong of Kowakian monkey lizards. (laughs) Including one giant one who presumably at this point has eaten the crew. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's kind of kind of gory for a kid's show really and of course that episode it was one of those things that well you know it was one of sometimes you see these things it's, it's they all the all these star wars shows have been kids shows but there's a scene where poe runs in and two or three of the monkey lizards have calves on the ground and so Poe runs in and fires his blaster because you're thinking, well, they're not actually going to show him shooting any of right. these things. And he runs in and he shoots his blaster in the air to run them off and shoots one off the ceiling. <laughs> the kids <laughs> thought it was just the funniest thing ever. It is pretty funny, actually. But that, that episode ended up serving to one for Kaz to give his first big report back to to the resist to the resistance. Mm-hmm. And kind of re redefine his mission. And it also ties back into the pirates. Uh, that ship had been attacked by pirates. And it kind of ties us back into the pirates who were working for Phasma to help the First Order gain control of the Colossus. 
again, it's one of those things like I'm not sure the show's doing particularly well. They've got it in a really weird time slot. They're still airing it at 10 o'clock on Sunday nights, which just doesn't make any sense to me because it's no, definitely a kid's it show. Really is. It needs to be on on Saturday mornings. You know, six o'clock. Yeah, some prime time slot for yes. kids television because it, it's got things that are interesting for the adults watching it. But it's not for But the it's definitely for the kids. And unfortunately, I think they're doing a huge disservice to the show and everybody involved with it by putting it on at 10 o'clock at night. I think their assumption is, is that everybody's just going to watch it on the app anyway. Like I said, it's a fantastic show. I'm super glad that the kids have this show to watch. I'm just a little afraid that because of the way it's being handled, that it may not be around very long. It is kind of surprising. To the, they may end up moving it to the streaming service. That's true. Yeah, it would probably be more suited for that. If it doesn't do well, I still think they need something like that on broadcast television. Not broadcast; it's cable network. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Right. On actual TV. Yeah, right. that's the thing is I don't want to see them totally abandon their Disney Channel, you know, their television brand, networks, yeah. and, you know, just to make the streaming service work. Um, I'm just saying it may come to a point where if the ratings for Resistance aren't good and the people at Disney, that actually the Disney mm-hmm. Channel, don't want it on their programming anymore, it it's that may be the fate of it. Instead of just canceling it, we'll move it to the streaming service to finish the story. Right. They can always... They can always tweak what they're doing and move it to the streaming service and try to make it work there. All right. Well, that's really all I've got for Resistance this week and all I've got for news. Daniel, do you have any comic book stuff this week? I do. I've got uh, three different books uh, this week to talk about. We have a new limited series, actually, that is a Han Solo Imperial Cadet. Mm. Um, if y'all knew about this one, I'm going to try to do a better job and I want to let people know when something like this is coming up. Uh, but this is actually the story of Han while he's at the Imperial Naval Academy. It's a five-issue miniseries written by Robbie Thompson uh, or uh, Leonard Kurt. And uh, it's some classic Han Solo moments. The first the first page of this film is a splash page with Han surrounded by some really angry people with guns and Han going... I can explain. And the last page of this book is a big splash page of Han surrounded by a different group of angry people with guns going, let me explain. I can explain, so, right. <laughs> that tells you kind of the uh, the tone of this series. That That's it. And it's, it's constant Han Solo, snarky quip after the other. And, and what more do you want from a Han Solo Imperial Cadet series? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. The only thing that kind of bothered me was there's a there's a big moment in this first issue that I always had the impression that I think would actually work better if that moment happened later. But mm. we'll see where the series goes from here. It was a it was a good first issue. Seems like it'd probably be a fun series. We'll finish it. And Star Wars number fifty six is the Escape Part One. And we had a huge face battle the last six issues of the Star Wars main series. That was a hope dies. We had the fleet assembled. It was a trap, as I went and would say. The, <laughs> the Allies is betrayed. Vader shows up. This newly assembled fleet that the Rebels thought they were going to be able to battle the Empire with is decimated at this point. The Rebellion's been scattered all over again. And Leia and Luke and Han are the only three Rebels together in their little group. And they're fugitives. The Empire's looking for them. Han hooks up with an old smuggling buddy. 
and our adventures go from there with our three main protagonists uh, running and hiding from the Empire. So, uh, and that one is still being written by Aaron Gillen, I mean by Kieran Gillen. And we have a new artist on this. That's what we're running because we've done other projects. We have Andrea Bricardo. This is her first issue of the series. So, but I uh, picked that one up. I'm actually still enjoying this one. As, as much as I did the, the Hope Dies story, so I think it'll be a good story seeing how they get out of this mess, you know. And Darth Vader number I'm sure he can explain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader number 23. Uh, this is Fortress Vader Part 5. Y'all already know I rave about this series. I love I was it. I going to say, I bet <laughs> you don't have anything good to say about this one. It's fantastic. And this, written by Charles Soule again, with the art still by Giuseppe Comancholi. And this is the penultimate story arc of this series. Charles, Charles Soule says, and this was the story we wanted to tell when we started this series. If this was the big story arc we were building up to, this Darth Vader series actually is scheduled to end with number 25 in December. So this is the story Charles Soule wanted to be able to tell us to end, this, to end the series. How and why did Darth Vader get this huge ass castle? So, <laughs> and we start to see that being built now. Through this story arc, he's had the helmet of Momin, Old Republic-era Sith Lord. And the spirit of Momin is directing the architecture behind this this castle, this fortress. That's it's so creepy. Mustafar, yeah. It's, it's all very creepy. It's very dark side, this whole story. Mustafar has this very strong dark side presence and pull. And that's part of the reason Vader wanted to build his castle there, because when he was there before... As we saw in Revenge of the Sith, he could feel the strong pull from the dark side on this planet. Momin feels it also and knows how to channel it. He's trying to design the architecture around this castle to channel this, these dark side energy. And he's going to open a portal through the Force. And he's actually got Vader convinced that if he pulls this off, he may be able to save Padme. Of course. Poor so, Vader. Everybody, even she's gone and they're still jerking his chain, trying to bring Padme back, save Padme. Well, we're also, though, you have to read it. You have to read it too, Marisha. We're not completely sure of Vader's motivations because he's been pretty, you know, all this man has left is his hate. Tried very hard to, if you read the rest of the series, you see what he does to some of the things that give him a connection to Padme and you're hmm. like he's really is just trying to kill all of humanity at this point. But we're not entirely sure what mate what Vader's motives are for trying to want to have this connection to the dark side either. Is it to make him more powerful? Or does he really want to try to bring Padme back? But Moman has his own agenda here. So I'm not That's gonna spoil it. Just need to read it. Wherein we find that Sith Lords are selfish and wicked right. and take advantage of people. Is that the short version? Vader calls Momin in this issue. He calls him deceitful. And I'm thinking, are you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good issue. It's been a good story so far. And uh, I am sad to see the series come to a close. And I'm sure at some point we'll get another Darth Vader series. But this story, I figure we're probably going to see more of Vader in the ongoing Star Wars. And it's kind of getting to a point where it, it's sort of hard to have two separate Vader stories when you start running the timelines in each other sometimes. You know right, what I mean? right. So it, I, have a, I have a feeling maybe he's going to play a bigger role in the Star Wars series. And like I said, Charles was coming to the end of the story he wanted to tell. So this, was what, this is how this series was always planned. 
it's not being canceled because it's not selling well because it's the best selling yeah. Star Wars series. But we'll, we'll, we'll get another one. So it sounds like it's been a good week for comic books or month or however long it's been since we recorded last. Which <laughs> is last week. Yeah, these were some good issues. Um, yeah. It was just sounds like it was just a good all around week for Star Wars. Yeah, bad week for pop culture in general. Yeah. And for me, my dog ran away. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody stole your dog. Your dog didn't run away. I know. I tell you what, if whatever jackass stole my dog could see my poor little pitiful crying kids, he'd bring it back. I'm just saying. I think that's gonna do it for tonight. I think mm-hmm. so. All right, everybody, that's gonna do it for us tonight. But before we go, Marisha, where people can find you on the internet. They can find me on Instagram at Princesses and Padawans and also at princessesandpadawans.com. And Andrew? They can find me on Twitter at Darklighter580 or at thesciencefictionary.com. And I am Daniel Peoples. You can find me at Dan C. Peeps on Twitter. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Sci underscore Fictionary. And as always, visit thesciencefictionary.com and may the force be with you. 